Hey there, Mark. How you doing? Hey, Justin. What's up? Yeah. Um, very, very good. Maybe slightly tense. Um, okay. But uh, not too much. Just uh, hopefully going to be launching the boot camp pretty soon and uh, just gathering everything to make that happen. Um, how about you? Um, I've had a, a very tense evening, and oh, uh, it's related to my goals. Yeah, I was uh, trying to get a, a, a second and third podcast, or I mean, uh, screencast recorded, yeah. and there was a Visual Studio Code update, and it was like, you know, it's an automatic update. And those happen every month, so I was like, all right, yeah, I'll just grab that first. And it broke the shortcut I use all the time, command back tick, which... Uh, Pops an integrated terminal at the bottom of your uh, of your uh, you know VS Code window, open and closes it. Um, so I, I always hit Command back tick, just open up the terminal, type stuff in the terminal, close it, go back to the code, change code, open the terminal. Um, and, I, and I've got a few related shortcuts. And I think because it's a common thing on on Mac apps in general to uh, switch windows within the same app. So say you have like three, uh, three Safari uh, windows open at the same time, uh, you can hit Command Tab and cycle through them. Mm -hmm. So yeah. now VS Code does that on on Mac also, and it won't let you uh, re-enter the shortcut. Like you can't overwrite it. So it's just like a, a core thing of my workflow is broken. And I had a different shortcut set up for toggling between the multiple windows of it. So oh man. So I, uh, stressful. Yes, I well because I I was trying to reconfigure it and googling and couldn't find anything on it and uh, um, was going to downgrade back to the one I had just so I'd finish recording. Uh, but then I, I saw that this month's uh, update included a security update, so I was like ah, and uh, so I finally I made a new a new shortcut and then constantly hit the wrong thing while I was uh, recording my screencast. So it took it's way longer than expected. Amazing how important the like your environment setup is. I mean, I've I've found that like that's one of the things that can really uh, exponentially increase your speed as a developer. You know, is like having the right yeah. shortcuts, having the right environment, all that stuff. Yeah, and it's uh, like if I were just coding, it would still slow me down. Uh, you know, a bit having to you know like if you just say that you switch command tab. So instead of like going to a different application, it does some other thing. You know, you're always going to be hitting the wrong thing. And if you're recording a screencast, you've got to I mean, you've got to have multiple things going on in your mind at once. You've got to be explaining the thing. You've got to be typing the code correctly. And every single time you screw up, you've got to re-record that part, or else just have a, a worse experience. So, yeah, what would it be like on on um, what's that thing called? Um, Twitch. Twitch. Yeah. Well, on Twitch, then you just have the worst experience, and uh, people's <laughs> yeah. expectations are a lot lower on Twitch. Um, it's, it's kind of there's some compensation for it, and that it's people live. know they know, yeah, yeah. And and I don't edit that heavily. Like most screencasters, I know edit way more than I do. But I, you know, if I if I hit the wrong thing like three times in a row, I probably will cut that out. So you so, said it was part of your goal. Um, yes, to make a long story short, I have done the coding for like three screencasts, maybe even four. Yeah. And I recorded two 
and I've published one, but I haven't, you know, haven't gotten the three published that were my goal. And I think, I think that's really important because uh, just seeing my buddy's uh, uh, channel growth go up so much when he started recording more often, uh, and seeing my own like stagnate a bit since uh, I haven't been recording as many videos recently. It's yeah. It's, yeah. So uh, I watched. Thing. You sent me the the lot uh, the the video of the live view. Um, it's for, pretty cool. uh, for the Reactor AM site. Yeah, it was pretty cool how it all works. I like it. It's nice a nice video too. Yeah, it's uh, I like yeah. So just for people watching or listening, what what I did in that video is I just did a brief tour of how the live view reactivity uh, works on the site for this podcast. So if you go to uh, an episode and you're reading it and I edit the episode or someone makes a comment or someone uh, edits their comment or an admin deletes a spam comment, you'll see that update without reloading your browser as long as you have JavaScript running. And if you've got JavaScript disabled, it degrades pretty nicely. Yeah, it's good. It's nice. Um, yep, and the Reactor is great, looking great now uh, with those changes. I don't know whether they were in there for last week, but uh, it's just, yeah, you, no, we, it, they weren't in there last week, and then you made them afterwards. It, lo it just looks, it, I think it just well, looks much cleaner now. I've, I've got I've to do a couple more podcasts to finish up everything, but yeah. I've already done one where, I mean, a couple more screencasts, but I've already done one where I said, hey, the site is launched. Now all I'm going to do is show all the steps to get from how it is now in our repo that we've been coding along with and what's on the site. And then once that's done, the series is done. So that means in the future, any changes to Reactor are going to be like a fifth or a tenth of uh, the time cost to me. Yeah, to of course. Yeah, Because I'm that's not great. like screencasting every single <laughs> step of it. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, I like it. Yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, so other goals, what did I have? I had uh, the main one was just publish the three screencasts. Oh, and then uh, the diet. I was going to try to hit six days of compliance instead of five, since five mm. worked three times. Uh, I failed that. And then after I failed it, uh, I was like, you know, this week's already a waste. So I only made it three days out of seven. So missed both I, goals. Yeah, I'm – my. My wife is doing so well on a diet right now. She lost mm -hmm. uh, 30 pounds. And um, the way she's doing it is she's stopping eating at 2 p.m. That, uh, yeah, I can see how that make you lose weight quickly. Yeah. So um, I think I might try that. I'm, I'm kind of inspired by her. Yeah. Well, uh, I think uh, as we talked about way back early on the show, like intermittent fasting or even longer fast, like that'll, that'll lower your blood sugar yeah faster than almost anything and that is pretty strongly related with weight loss and weight gain yeah try that see see how that works out I'm, um yeah, go on. i'm su i'm surprised she can do that so easily though in the afternoon like most people that i know that have done it they just don't eat breakfast and they just kind of keep going through the day and then uh -huh. they eat like only after 4 p.m. or something i know yeah I agree. So, so that, that's why I want to try it out because that's the way that I've always I've, I've been doing it and it hasn't really made much of a change. So I've been not eating until 12. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to try not eating after two and it, it's, it's a different way of thinking about it. 
and we'll just see what happens. I'm just curious. Isn't, isn't she hungry in the evening? So like, isn't I would hard? imagine probably. But honestly, wow. anytime I've lost weight, I've been hungry. I mean, and if you're not hungry, you're probably, I don't know. It's not. Okay. <laughs> I well, don't. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess she, she has a, a, a strong will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. So maybe, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to experiment with it and see what happens. Um, but one thing, just going back to the reactor site, you fixed the, um, the, like the, the, the play thing in page mm -hmm. that looks great. Nice. Oh yeah. That was, uh, right. I took it out of the iframe completely cause I, I was hitting like, um, cross origin request scripting issues. Okay. So I just, I just ripped out all the stuff that Pinecast does for you and made the media tag myself. So does that mean that Pinecast doesn't know how to count our stats anymore? Oh, that's a good question. Um, no, no, because the audio is on their server. Yeah, so okay. So they see I, when, you've, when the audio is downloaded. I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't listen to us talk afterwards after I've already edited it like mm -hmm. that much. Yeah. But I haven't noticed any difference. Like uh, we, we've been, actually we're over 10 listens a day now. It's like uh, about 11.1 or two. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Very cool. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's like a tiny, tiny, tiny blog, but fair <laughs> it's enough. It's something. It's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, no spam yet. That's the other good news. Bad news is no comments at all, except from us. But <laughs> okay, so um, so what do you want to talk about? Um, let's see here. I've got a few things. Uh, one is you know just kind of the 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 plans, the thinking on the site on on uh, Alchemist Camp. Yeah. Two is just some updates on like uh, my uh, my uh, algorithm coding, test preparation, all that stuff. Okay. And three is, uh, I had a, a couple of thoughts from, uh, related to one of the old texting podcasts. Okay. Uh, like a, a mental model that uh, has kind of been sticking in my, or actually it's, it's an idea that I had that's related to one that you guys had talked about. Well, let's so, do that first. That sounds kind of, like all it would right. be interesting. Um, so you had one episode that was called uh, something about enthusiasm, enthusiasm half-life. And you were talking yeah. about like the half-life of what is your enthusiasm when you're working on something. And I, I had for a long time, like with language learning, like 10 years or 15 years ago, I, I'd had this idea of like a cannonball learner versus uh, like a rocket ship learner. And like the cannonball learner, it's like they fly out of a cannonball and like the first week they, you know, they show up in Taiwan or whatever, they're, they're studying like Chinese four hours a day and they're like, you know, super hardcore about it. And then um, it just kind of like gradually decreases and decreases and decreases. And then after a year, like they'd never study at all. Mm -hmm. um, then the, the, uh, the rocket ship type is super uncommon in comparison, but there's some people that'll just, you know, they'll just like do their 30 minutes a day, every day for like three or four years and, and, get really good hmm. um so except for that group like for the cannonball group it's like everything hinges on do they learn enough fast enough that 
it's no longer that difficult or unpleasant before they run out of enthusiasm. So it's like, you know, do you learn enough to start talking and make some local friends? Um, you know, that, that's like one bar. Another bar is like maybe you also learn enough that you can read the news and chat on, on uh, local chat apps with your friends. Um, and, and like if you get to that point, then you're basically, you can be lazy. Like you'll just keep on, like you'll keep on reading your vocabulary, it'll keep growing and it'll, you'll just get better and better and better. Um, there are a lot of people that kind of get stuck between the two, like they can talk but never really learn how to read. Um, and obviously Chinese is like, you know, it's, it's got some unique challenges for reading. Um, and there are a lot of people that don't make it to the point where even, you know, even daily life is that comfortable and then they just hang out with other, other foreigners. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think that that is basically exactly what you were talking about with the enthusiasm half-life. Uh, and it, it applies to people, you know, working on entrepreneurial things. Like, um, I've, I've uh, you know, been chatting with some of my buddies that uh, had, well, actually my buddy Julian that does the blockchain stuff. Like, he was really frustrated last year and, and was having a rough go of it, but, you know, kind of just managed to get by to where he was earning a good amount. Now he's super motivated. Yeah, I, I've always and found... Yeah, I'm just just gonna say I've always found like it's really easy to learn something when you need to learn it. You know what I mean? If you have if, to, if you yeah. if you, ha if you have a need. So and you know it, it's not about like I don't know about have to, but say for example, you know, you're first starting to learn to code, and the reason is is because you really want to make an app that can do X Y Z. And so, but, yeah. and you just really want to, you know, you're just starting to learn. And so you want to ship a product. And so, you know, actually wanting to ship a product is the reason why you learn to code. And you, you just said, or to get me, a job. Yeah. Or get a job. You just said something interesting yeah. there, which is when people, cause for just talking about language specifically, like yeah. I was never interested in language until I went and spent like a couple of months in France. And then it was like, I need to learn French to speak to these people. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to do it because I have to. It feels real then also. Yeah. Cause it, yeah. I think especially like a lot of Anglophones, like we don't really even get foreign languages as a concept. I mean, in theory we do, but we don't think, uh, we, we don't really think about like these whole other, you know, vast swaths of the world where they're speaking every day using, a, you know, no English to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so is, is that part of it? Is, is part of the, the enthusiasm half-life, the sort of the need angle? Well, that's a little different. So I, I guess the need could overwhelm, like that could get you through even if you don't have enthusiasm, you know, it's like, like if you are, you know, an immigrant with, uh, a family and you're in an English speaking country and you need English in order to get a decent job, like you're not going to give up learning English. Right. Yeah. Like, even if you're not enthusiastic, the, uh, the people I knew in Taiwan were mo a few were like that. Like I, I had a Vietnamese classmate a long time ago who was like 100% like moving for economic reasons and his, like Chinese would give him more opportunities in Vietnam. But 
you know, most the most the English speakers and the Japanese speakers, which made up most of my classmates, like they didn't need to learn Chinese. Like they wanted to. They were interested in it. Do you think that people should, rather than sort of say, "Okay, I'm going to get deep and learn Chinese," do you think they should sort of go, "Okay, I'm going to expl- I'm going to look at ten things and I'm going to go really shallow. I'm going to put a day into each of these ten things and see." Which one of them is like really interesting to me, and so、uh-huh. they go shallow across like a lot, like like in a horizontal way, and then they're like, "Oh wow, number eight was awesome. I'm going to go that, deep into that." Yeah, that doesn't usually work that well with foreign languages. Like I, I know some、okay. like some people who like read lots of polyglot blogs, and they like they're really into it, and they'll be like simultaneously studying three languages. They usually fail at all of them.、Um, well, I was they, thinking. I, I was I was thinking language is just one, like one of them might be. Oh,、cooking. you have lots of different yeah, pursuits. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, well, okay, sorry to expand.、Um, like Derek Sivers, have you have you read his blog post? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. That was a, an old one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, just to, speaking to the enthusiasm half life, should you really be doing anything that you don't feel absolutely hell yeah about? And so maybe you think you want to learn a language, but are you hell yeah about it? You know, maybe you actually want to learn cooking instead. And so that's what I'm saying. You know, try like five things and find out. Okay, which is the thing you are super into? Yeah. And,、um, and then for me, it's、in. a balance. I think. Yeah. Because、okay. well, because there, there's the the thing is like if you ask like twenty year old me like what are you hell yeah about the answer would be I'm gonna play StarCraft Brood War, and I'm hell yeah about doing that like 40 hours a week, and then eating it, you know, you know junk food afterwards. So, you know, there's like, uh, uh, what, what's what's the hell yeah for your current self, and what's the hell yeah for your future self?、Mm. And, and I think,、um, sorry, go ahead. No, my my kid is so into gaming. It's like, it's crazy. He's just about to turn six, and he's so into gaming. And、um, I, I do think that that you know, there's various different paths that you can take from being really into gaming. You know, he could he could that could migrate into being really into coding,、um, presenting. I mean, I I don't know. So、uh, being hell yeah about gaming is isn't such a bad concept. Um, it depends. The thing is, like, there there are a lot of people that want to be a professional gamer. Or, or even、uh, like a Twitch streamer, or even a, a video game developer, and there's there's so many people that want to do it. It's a really rough market. It's kind of like, you know, if you want to be an actor, like that is the right thing for a few people, but most people who go for it get ground up, and it's it's not so great for them.、Mm. Um, I I was I was gonna、uh, I was gonna say a minute ago though the the thing about language learning is it's That's one of those things that I see as like an engine, right? So, like, if you're young and you learn a language, like that will give you more returns over your entire life. Like, if you know, like, if you had learned French as a kid,、uh, you would have like that extra advantage. Maybe not in every situation, but you know, probably every year of your life, it would help you in some way. And like, French isn't gonna. Be you know obsolete, 
So it's, it's, it's just, it's like, uh, it's like learning math or it's like learning, uh, um, like sales skills or just any, any kind of like, um, you know, fairly stable, evergreen, like human skill. The counter uh, view to that. And I think we might've discussed this before. I have a, a, a friend who, who learned French early and got really good at it. And as a result, his entire life has been about being, you know, knowing French. So it's sort of defined him. It's defined him. He's, he's, he lives in France. He work, you know, he's, he is a, like a, an English French translator. Like it's his whole life is based on that, on that knowledge. So it's sort of created a, a set of train tracks for his whole life. Uh, so that would be the, the sort of potential. I don't know whether that, whether you call that the downside, yeah. but it's, it's a, it's one thing. If you do get into something, it could potentially just define you from that point forward. I, I guess. Although, I mean, like, I learned Chinese. I did a tiny bit of translation work, but it certainly hasn't, like, defined what I do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you learn math, you don't have to be a mathematician. You could, you could just use math and be an engineer. You could, you could like, you know, use languages and, and yeah. you know, make friends as an engineer. It's, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it's, uh, yeah. I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to like, especially with language, I wouldn't want to like lean on that as a professional uh, is like a main is a center point of your profession because there are so many people that are bilingual. It's not that special. It's nice, but it's not that special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, the, 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 uh, the whole like, you know, uh, uh, cannonball approach for enthusiasm though, like that's, that's got to be like one of the biggest factors for nugget. Right. Yeah. Cause people, I bet people come in and they're really fired up and it's just like, go, 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 go. And then, you know, like there, there's a half-life to that enthusiasm. Oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to deal with. And it's not just about, um, you see, there's a double whammy because there's one aspect of getting through learning content, just mm-hmm. any learning content. Like it's just, painful to get through learning content because it's like i gotta learn you know but then actually doing it like building a business it's really difficult you know because you've got to build an audience and just got to do the work so yeah that's what slows people down that's that's when they get slowed down we do a pretty great job of getting them through the content but then when they go out into the real world and try and create a business that's where they get slowed down Makes sense. And, and especially if there's no positive reinforcement mm-hmm. or if they've been putting in like so much effort that it's just not worth it. So um, the, the bootcamp, uh, I'm going to restructure Nugget. Um, but there's a couple of things. Can I talk about Nugget for a bit? Couple yeah, absolutely. Of, a couple yeah. of points. So one is um, I'm, I'm excited about the bootcamp. Um, I'm excited for what it might mean for Nugget on a number of different levels. I'm going to restructure nuggets so that when you go to the landing page the bootcamp is the main thing that you see so it's basically nugget indie founder bootcamp then that is free it's one click uh with a social login and you're in and you're you're learning then everyone who gets in i i'm gonna put them in slack so we're gonna get a larger slack group because there's been discussed from the last batch who've come in from the paid academy there's decent discussion going on in Slack and I think it's good. And I think it might be nice if there's more people in there. Um, 
I remember Rob and Mike uh, talking from sort of the rest of us talking about how, you know, 1% kind of thing is, is active in a community. And so right now there's a couple of hundred people in that Slack and there's not too much, you know, there's, there is stuff going on, but it, if, they, if I had a thousand people in there, I think there would be a decent amount going on, you know, so it would be kind of interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, then the momentum tracker, I'm going to make that as well available for everyone. And I'm going to make it so that um, there's, a, there's a little checkbox you can do to make your momentum blog public. Um, okay. Yep. So, that, so there's that. Then the. That, this would be good for SEO too. Yeah, that, good for SEO. And then the Nugget Academy itself, I'm going to make it completely unavailable and not highlighted in any way until you've completed the academy, until you've completed the bootcamp. So basically, it's like, a, it's like an unlock thing. Um, okay. So it's a level up because I don't want people to go into the academy unless they've gone through the boot camp and they really believe that. So basically, they'll do the boot camp and then I'll ask, I'll ask the questions that I currently ask for the academy because I, I make you take a quiz and I say, you know, I've got like 10 questions. I remember then that. I'm going to change the questions to be, A, have you done the boot camp? B, do you believe in the boot camp? C, will you, will you build an audience first before you do anything else? So basically, but, so it's the boot camp. They have the knowledge. Then, then it's qualified. And then the reason why they're, why they're actually paying for Nugget is to just really get stuck into the process and really you know, be supported in that if, way. If they've done the boot camp, shouldn't they have some audience? Or I well, guess there's... I, I don't... Maybe not. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, do they have their idea? I mean, what, what Nugget helps you do is it helps you like it helped you. It just, yeah. It's just a process that gets you, gets you to the right yeah. idea and then helps you build it. And the, the latest batch, by the way, in Nugget are doing really, really well. It's, it's, going, it's going much better now um, for some reason, I guess. I think, I think um, it's the, the people who've ended up in there have, are just more qualified because of the types mm -hmm. of reasons that I've talking about, because I'd sent them articles from the, from the main thing. So I think this is going to be a much better approach. That's good. I, I do like the, the, what you're saying about getting more people into the Slack too, because yeah. I've checked the, in the Nugget Slack a lot. And when I was posting stuff, I, sometimes I was like, oh, it looks like maybe I'm almost the only one posting. Um, and that made me post less. So it's kind of one of those you know, it's a, yeah, cycles. reinforcing. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And right now, it's, I, I don't know whether you've noticed, but it's picking up a bit now. And that's nice. Um, and then the other thing is, is I just want to try and create the, the, the male-female mix. I haven't really mm -hmm. paid much attention to it um, in the past. And it's kind of ironic because um, Laura, who, as you mentioned, Laura is, is who's a, a woman in tech speaker, and she's kind of the co-founder of the, of the Academy, and she helped me mm -hmm. write the content. But that just didn't translate into, you know, into a 50-50 mix. It might be the brand itself, which might need to be changed or the branding or the look of it or some aspect of it. Um, but I know that the boot camp is good to go for. It could, it could support a 50-50 mix of male-female um, because the, the few women that I've got to actually look at it do really like it. So, so um, yeah. So that's something else I'm going to just try and move towards is to just create a more inclusive thing. And part of yeah, the reason... Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, you definitely want to make sure everyone feels welcome. I, mean, I think yeah. that's the, the first and, and biggest thing. 
Um, so you said Laura has like, she's a speaker. So does she have like her own audience? Well, she's doesn't have her own audience, but she does have, she has spoken, at, I think like five t- women in tech events. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So she's not, uh, she's not sort of like actively promoting. She is, she's not in the mindset where she was thinking, oh, I'm going to actively promote for women to be in nugget. She's right. just helping me get it, get it. But you done. know, you know, who would though, like, yeah. Um, if anyone who does go through it has really good experience, exactly, going to talk to their friends. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but what's really got me thinking about it, this whole side of things, is um, my day job, True Space. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Charles and Jamie Fred. So uh, Jamie, Jamie Fred is the president of True Space, and they're basically they they do the same as I do in Nugget, except for like the businesses going from one million to ten million. And they, they're just so proactive about it, about trying to create that 50-50 mix. And I just admire what they're doing and can see there's a lot of value, you know, to do that. Are, are so, they close to that? They, they, do, they are very, yeah, they're, very they're much, much better than, than I've been able to at Nugget. But that's because I think they've, been, they've thought that from the ground up. You know, that's just the, mm-hmm. their default, default. I haven't paid much attention to it in the past. I don't know why. Um, and I think, I think that shows. I've really just been writing to appeal to someone like me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and you know, that, that was the niche. That was, that was the beginning. And now I know that I can broaden that audience, especially since my sister, who's 16 years younger than me and a, uh, a woman, um, she's, she went through it and she found the parts that were really good and showed the parts that weren't. And that's all changed. And she's gone through it again now. And she's like, yep, this is awesome. So nice. I think, yeah, I just think that uh, it would be it'd be great to move in that direction. Well, yeah, I keep uh, keep us uh, updated. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot more to talk about if you want, or if you want to, if you want to take it over, you can. Yeah, go for it. Okay, I, I, just, um, I just got a, a notif- notification on my screen. Sorry. So did I tell you? I told you about Roblox, right? Yes. Did I tell you that I hired a developer? Yeah, that kind of surprised me. But um, <clears throat> how, how expensive is that to like make a Roblox game? I don't know. I'll tell you. I'll I'll be able to give you that information at a later date. But what I can tell you is, it's definitely the most fun thing that I'm doing right now. Is um, <laughs> <laughs> is building a Roblox game? Um, it's like you know. Elon Musk was speaking about the Cybertruck, saying, "Oh, that's my most fun project of all." Well, for me, building a Roblox game is by far my most fun thing. So, is um, Jack PMing it? <laughs> not yet, but um, you're like, "Hey, I want this." <laughs> yeah, put this oh, no, cool he, thing in the game. No, it's it's really cool. So, so basically, we just sort of we've we've myself and the and the dev have just sort of gone through Roblox, looked at things that we like, and then come up with a game concept. And now he. It's great because he's sort of fresh out of college from game design type of thing. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he, he knows a lot more about it than I do. And that's another kind of unique aspect of this. I'm just, I'm handing it off really. And he's just like, he's drawing the game map. He's been doing that for the last week. And so we've got like a, a Dropbox, a shared Dropbox. And uh, there's a PSD with the game map. And I can just sort of gradu- see the game map, you know, the Dropbox has updated and then I can have a look and I'm like, Oh wow. There's, there's a whole, nice. there's like a, a big fish challenge. <laughs> you know, I'm like, wow, that's cool. I, <laughs> it's like, wow. I like it. That would, that would be really hard for me to do. Like I, I would be 
so driven to like jump in and start working on the game myself. Yeah, because uh, that stuff's fun, and it, and it's it's yeah. just it it's also like very engaging, and I, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't want to like let the let the uh, contractor have all the fun. Well, I th I thought that, and then I did go into um, and I'm exactly the same, right? And I did go in to start hacking away at the game, um, but then I, it's one of those things where it's, it's not that I couldn't do it. It's not that I couldn't be really good at it. It's just that it's a whole environment. It's 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 a deep environment. It's something that's going to take you probably a year to get really good at, and honestly. In my own personal level up game, it's much better for me to nail Nugget and Taskflow because I've yeah. got a lot more experience, and I'm I'm that's my context, and that's that's what I should build to the point where there's so much financial freedom that then I can do whatever the hell I want, and then I can go and explore and experiment with game stuff. So that's why I decided, you know what, I'm just going to let him do it because he's he's got the experience, he's got the enthusiasm, and it's kind of fun just to pay someone to have fun. That's kind of an that interesting is, concept. That is nice. I, I would you know? like to be able to do that. I've got to up my revenue. <laughs> just like just paying him to have fun and be creative, that is a really, really good feeling that I was not expecting. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, so, so is it, or do you know anything about the, the dev environment? Like, is it, through Unity, or do they have their own in-house? Oh, Roblox! Everything? No, I know. I do know a lot about it. I mean, I already, I've already created like a test game and yeah, and got some stuff working. So basically, no. I mean, Roblox is a fantastic development environment. So it's Lua is the language. Cool. Okay. <clears throat> and um, it's it's it is a complete IDE. I mean, it's it's a really great already existing Roblox Studio IDE. Where you Roblox can studio okay, so it's so, their totally their own tech, like no oh, yeah, Unity, yeah. just like no, wow, totally their own okay. tech, and and um, it reminds me a lot of Flash of Flash Builder. Um, it's very very similar to that, um, but without timeline. So imagine, mm -hmm. did you ever use a Flash Builder to build Flash stuff from Adobe? Uh, I used Adobe Flash Five. That was what I used. So it's like, you know, this concept of like dragging stuff onto like a stage, a stage area, but it's yeah, called a map. Yeah, I know this. And you know, you've, you've kind of got, you, you can click on a mob, an object and then you can like add a script to it. So, and then you can also, so, so you could go ahead and just add scripts to everything, or you can have a centralized library. They also have a concept of like client side code and server side code. So, um, you know, some code will speak to, would just be on the local machine and do stuff just for that one person. Another code will do like shared stuff like scores and stuff like that. They also give you like data stores. Like basically it has everything. It has everything built in. It's very, very good. I, I really do like it. Although it, I would be a little bit hesitant uh, to put time into it since it's only their own thing. So it's like a, a totally non, or it's a mostly non-transferable skill. Well, Lua is pretty transferable. I mean, Lua is yeah. quite a big language. That's, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I, I know, I know some Lua. It's, it's got, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been used in a lot of uh, gaming stuff. It's really yeah. easy to interact right. with C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's using gaming stuff, and but I think, um, yeah, but no, but it's, it's, it's like anything. It's like, I mean, look, if you pick Unity, then you're not going to be in the other one. 
unreal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's you know, if you, true. But I mean, you click, so but Unity is C sharp, and C sharp's like pretty transferable. Well, like you just said, Lua's kind of transferable in amongst the get the different gaming platforms. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you pick your poison, right? You you're going to go with one environment. You know, like if you, if you decide you're going to be like an app, a developer who does mobile apps, that's your, that's generally speaking going to be your your environment. But that, I mean, Roblox goes on mobile. Roblox goes on desktop. Roblox is on Linux. Roblox is on all the different places. So, wow. how long have they been around? Like, that's amazing. Oh, it's, so it's like yeah. Oh yeah, that it's it's big. It's it's one of, the, <clears throat> you know, you, dis, disruption theory is. Um, Worse and cheaper, but more accessible. That's the mm-hmm. whole thing about disruption theory. And I think Roblox is that. It's like people, it's one of those things that just goes under the radar because it just seems like, ah, it's just for kids. You, you know, like, and then it just gets bigger and bigger and more kids use it. And then loads of YouTubers are playing Roblox in their YouTubes. And, and then that's spreading it. And that's why there's 100 million people using it. It's actually quite, quite astonishing. There's one, there's one game called Adopt Me. You can, when you go into Roblox, you can see how many people are using different games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I shouldn't really be big, bigging up Roblox because I, I don't want other developers to, to do it. But, <laughs> but, anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care. Anyway, I think this, uh, this will be a tiny fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the Roblox on YouTube videos. So <laughs> you're probably yeah, that's safe. True. There is usually about half a million people playing this adopt me game at any one time now that is quite astonishing like the, and this is what's so cool about roblox is that's the biggest that's the biggest game i think which has the most people but mm-hmm. a lot of games have a thousand people playing them you because you can you can see like there's a thousand people so playing this right now yeah you know there's ten thousand a lot of games have ten thousand and with a hundred million people that splits up into a lot of ten thousands a lot of one thousands you know, so your game yeah. can be, you can make, well, firstly, you can get people using it and you can, you can make some cash in it, but the adopt me game. Yeah. You can, you can see they've made, they've made over $10 million. Did I ever tell you uh, like what my project was when I was like first like trying to break into the Bay area tech no? scene? Get but maybe you did, on. but, but remind me. Okay. So I had been at a, a coding boot camp, and you know, just been doing like all JavaScript all the time, and learned CoffeeScript, which was you know still pretty big then, and yeah. learned Backbone JS <laughs> and NodeJS, yeah. and um, I I found a tutorial on um, parser expression generators, which you use for making uh, basically making an interpreter, making a compiler. Um, turns out CoffeeScript. Uh, Redux uses this this uh, library called PEG.js that PEG is like parser expression generator to define the CoffeeScript language. Like it was the whole thing for this project was it was going to be like really well defined CoffeeScript, which made it easier to do source maps and lots of stuff. So I had basically I'd made a, a robot game where you don't control the robots directly. They were ugly robots. They were just like you know these these CSS. Just these DOM nodes, and they were just like a um, like a square with slightly rounded corners. But they could uh, rotate, they could move, they could fire, and I I used this this PEG.js to make my own 
language for programming the robots. It was, uh, it was kind of scheme-like, but it had some, some other stuff in it. And uh, it was fun because it's like in, in uh, the upper left hand, you've got like robot one, upper right hand of the screen, you've got robot two, and like their source. And so like you've got your source code for your robot program here, mm. and then you hit start, and then they fight. And the more commands you have, like, like the more complex the logic, the fewer cycles you have for like firing. So like a really dumb robot could just be like, just like mowing everything down and turning. <laughs> and a, you know, a more complicated one might not fire as much, but it'd be like moving around the corner, the edges of the screen and firing yeah. carefully. And I, I just made, I made that game, like simple game. Um, I used parse, I didn't even write a backend. And I showed it off at a meetup and it was uh, some JavaScript related meetup. And I was like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm studying at a boot camp. This is what I've been working on. And um, you know, I made this with CoffeeScript and Backbone. And I've been really interested in uh, you know, how interpreters work. And so like, this is what I did. I just showed it for five minutes. And there was someone at that meetup who worked at Groupon. I was like, hey, are you looking for a job right now? Or as soon as you finish the boot camp? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Like, what? what like what kind of thing? And he's like, well, we're using Backbone and we're using CoffeeScript and like all these, um, you know, all these technologies you picked. So that was both like super fun. Like I did it during my week. Like I was supposed to do it before the, the break week in the middle of the boot camp, but I just kept working on it through the whole week, just like adding more stuff to it. That's cool. So, so you sort of, you showed that in open and, but a couple of points about that. Isn't that pretty much what Jason's trying to do with his kids right now? Um, yeah. So this, this I, yeah. came to mind because he was taught because of, I listened to your last podcast. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. It's a little different because, because my focus okay. was interpreters. It wasn't like a machine learning thing. Uh, but it, it was, it was like you write your program first and then the bot runs. Yeah. And it's also okay. saved on the server. So anyone can like run your bot against the, their bot kind of mm -hmm. thing. That's cool. I'm here, mommy. Yeah. I think, well, he's working on sounds interesting too. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Cause I like, I, yeah, I'm just in the middle of recording a podcast right now, but uh, as, as long as you're quiet and stuff, it should be fine, babes. Thanks. But uh, yeah, I mean, you guys have been talking about this stuff and talking about math Academy for years. And I, I've been super curious to you know see some of it or see blog posts about it or or something, but uh, not yet. <laughs> well, one day, one day, one day, one day. <laughs> he's you guys it's will start like blogs. he's not he's he's like everything Jason's been working on. It's like this giant submarine under the water, and he hasn't even put the periscope up yet. And I think one day it's just going to come up, and it's just going to be this whole submarine at once. It's going to be like. Ta-da! Like here is this massiveness, you know. Welcome. It'll be like Stargate Atlantis. Just yeah, <laughs> the whole city comes up. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Roblox game that's fun. Um, Nugget working on that, and then once Nugget is out there, then I will double back to Taskflow, which I do always find myself wishing existed, because. Again, I'm just like want to prioritize stuff and make make good choices. 
Yeah. So that, sounds, that's pretty much pretty me. reasonable. <clears throat> um, from a goal point of view, I guess I'm going to try a week. Okay, I'm going to try this between now and next week. What happens if I stop eating at two every day? I'm going to probably get really hungry. I'm going to just look, I don't know. Just going to see what happens. That would be harder for me than just fasting a whole week. Like, good luck. I, we'll if see. you can do it, like, I will be very impressed and I'll want to know how you did it. Okay. Well, let's, let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens. Um, so that's my the, goal. So just the health goal? Yeah, well, the health goal and then hopefully to get Nugget. Now it's not really about, I, I feel like I've got the reviews that I need. Now I just need to rejig Nugget to work in this new way you know, to, to like invite people into Slack and do all the things that it needs to do. So just getting it ready for that, that main launch uh, oh. rebrand. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess my goal is uh, I, I'm, I, I have to do some stuff on Phoenix Igniter because I've, I've gotten some emails from people who are like, Hey, are you, are you still, is it, what's going on here? And asking for stuff that I've already done. So I just need to, you know, document it. Um, other than that though, I, I'm still pretty focused on the top of the line stuff for Alchemist Camp. Um, I'm basically done with the series for, for this site. So, you know, the next series is all paid and I don't want to go silent on YouTube for two months or who, who knows how long while I'm doing that series. So I gotta, you know, I gotta keep finding some topics and, and just make, make some smaller one-off videos and, and, and get them out there and hopefully get a, like get a backlog that I can keep releasing while I'm working on the, the paid series. I have a feeling if, if Taskflow existed and if you plugged all your stuff into it, it would be reflecting to you that Phoenix Igniter should, like, is exponentially the best thing for you to work on. Like the most important thing for your time. And I think that's, that's the kind of thing that that I want Taskflow to do. I think it's, I want it to just reflect to the, to the person. No, no, this is exponentially better. This is why yeah. you should be doing this, not putting anything I, else in front of it. I would say though, that everything I do to grow my YouTube channel is going to help sell Phoenix Igniter. Mm, yeah, I've already true. got one video on there introducing it. Um, it's true. I, I'm uh, actually right now, as we speak, I, I have a, I have a little, uh, pinging real-time updating live button on the side of my uh, my screen and I see I've got 2,999 YouTube subscribers and uh, you know I've, I've uh, been reading you know I saw some some stuff on Hacker News someone like made a hundred thousand dollars selling a book and you know they were talking about the audience size and they were like you know after, after you know, a few months when you have 10,000 email subscribers, then you can do X, Y, Z and, you know, probably only make a thousand dollars or something. And I was like, you know, I launched this site with 250 email subscribers. And even, you know, after two years, I only have like, you know, three, between three and 4,000. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I was really, I, I may be wrong, but, but at least my intuition is, like the top of the line, like really, like since retention is reasonably good, like I feel like the top of the line is just everything or, or it's like a, you know, by far the weakest part of, of this whole, this whole business machine. Mm -hmm. The soil. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So long story short, do, do some documentation, at least, on Phoenix Igniter. Get yeah. three videos out this week. Uh, uh, be good about diet at least five days so that it's doable, and then keep going through my new algorithms book and uh, um, you know, just keep, keep trucking along. All right. All right. Congrats. Well, <laughs> well not yet. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, I guess that's the end of this one, and uh, yeah. I'll see you next week. Yeah. Till next time. Cheers.